Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited to have with me as my guest today, Dr. Emma Bragdon. She earned her PhD in transpersonal psychology in 1987. And she's the author of seven books and the co-producer of two documentary films. She is currently the executive director of Integrative Mental Health University, and they have more than 40 courses, most of them online, and can offer continuing education credits for those of us who are licensed mental health professionals. Uh, Emma is particularly interested in bringing spirituality into practices of mental health, including meditation, yoga, and psychedelic-assisted therapies. All the frontier kinds of things. Welcome, Emma. So happy to have you here with us today. Thank you, Adriana. Oh, yes. Really pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and we actually are fellow alumni. We both attended the same graduate school, the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, which is very right. exciting to meet yeah. a fellow alum. And uh, and I think our education, I'm sure, very much impacted you know the course that our careers and maybe our personal lives have taken. So I'd love to hear more about your journey and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today. Okay. So I, I am the founder and executive director of, of Integrative Mental Health University, which I'll refer to as IMHU. I Think of the first four letters of I'm human and you've got it. So how did I get to this particular position? <laughs> Well, back in 1967, which might be the dark ages for some of you, I was actually at a Zen Buddhist center that was just beginning. You may have heard of Tassajara Zen Mountain Center. And at that particular time, it was being directed uh, by an abbot from Japan by the name of Suzuki Roshi. So when I landed there, I had left the University of California where I was taking courses at Berkeley and I, I was disenchanted with the whole educational system. I felt like there was something more and I had tasted Zen Buddhism. And so when I went for a weekend to Tassajara, I fell in love with it. I, and I fell in to the place of, this is the first place on earth that I have felt really, really comfortable. So I learned a tremendous amount in the four years that I was there uh, with Suzuki Roshi as my teacher. And since he was self-realized or enlightened, as we call it, and recognized through the Buddhist tradition as that, I was in a very fortunate position. And I um, was also in a challenging position in that I had to do a lot of meditation, much more than I'd done before. But it took me into a lot of learning, more self-awareness for myself, more ability to connect with the uh, what I think we all have deep inside us is incredible resources for uh, compassion and wisdom. 
I'm not claiming that I've found all those resources yet, but I certainly grew in that direction. And from that particular place, to make a longer story short, I became very convinced that spirituality, whether it's meditation or hatha yoga or the various forms of martial arts, there's so many different forms, including prayer um, and what comes from various religions. But I was convinced that spirituality had a very important position in mental health care, in our own taking care of ourselves and possibly taking care of others. So from that uh, position, I moved into uh, being a cl clearly continuing on with a meditation, but also I uh, dipped into Native American shamanism. I had the good fortune of working with two Native American shamans who were part of their native traditions. So they, these were not new age shamans. They were really of the traditional sort. And I also was um, in a position to do a lot of teaching. At a certain point, I went to Brazil. I learned a lot from the spiritual healers in Brazil. And um, in, the, in 2001 to 2000, and, uh, well, actually it's not stopped yet. I still take uh, groups of people to Brazil to visit spiritist hospitals and spiritist centers where they practice um, various forms of spiritual healing to assist people to move forward in their lives, whether they're um, physically ill or have mental health problems. But it's not just moving forward in your life, it's actually getting very profound healing on a spiritual level, as well as forwarding our psychological growth. So the spiritist hospitals from Brazil are unique in the world. And I have been in a position to be called ambassador to one of these um, hospitals in Brazil and acknowledge for the understanding I have about Bra Brazilian spiritism. So uh, for all of this <laughs> under my belt in 2013, I thought there's got to be more of this in the United States. And so I founded the Integrative Mental Health University, climhu.org. Long answer, simple question. Oh, no. And you're, you, there's so much I want to, to ask you about in everything you just said. Now, you know, the traditional kind of Western medicine, Western psychiatric, psychological perspective often seems to overlook spirituality. And where do you think we're falling short there in that in that paradigm? Oh, my gosh. That's such a big question. So within spirituality, I mean, maybe it's um, generally accepted by most of the people in the audience that as people meditate more or they do hatha yoga more, they become more present. And so more of their deeper selves becomes more available, not only to them, but also in connection with others. And there can be a deeper connection. For instance, they are tapping on resources of compassion and empathy and understanding that they may not be in touch with unless they have spiritual practices. So unfortunately in today's world, what can happen when someone enters a typical hospital and this is not to be negative about the practitioners who are working there, the nurses, the doctors, etc., but only to say in the setup that we have now, most nurses don't have time to be present with people. They don't have time to really connect. They don't have time to 
ask people about their stories and why it is that they came into this situation and to just listen. So uh, one of the things that I'm sure Adriana and I have both learned is that being able as a mental health practitioner to really connect with someone and listen to their story and be respectful of whatever it is that they've been through. So, and especially around spirituality, uh, not to be demeaning of spiritual experiences. All of that is extremely important in a healing process. So if someone enters um, an emergency room, a hospital setting, uh, some clinics where time is of the essence and therapists or clinicians, doctors, nurses are told they can only spend 10 or 15 minutes with each client patient or patient, then their ability to really connect and bring forth presence, bring forth their compassion and empathy, listen to stories is almost nil. In fact, what we get as patients or clients oftentimes is a clinician looking at their computer and not even looking at the patient and just in asking questions and then inputting things onto a form. So there's next to no contact at all, which can throw a person right into a kind of, um, not to be overly dramatic, but that can really trigger someone into, well, they don't care about me. I'm insignificant to them. They're not really gonna connect. I don't really wanna be here anymore. Right. So it really um, can obstruct, sometimes destroy a, a good therapeutic relationship that's necessary for healing. Yeah. And, you know, I think you bring up another uh, point that I did want to explore with you, too, is that sometimes when people are presenting, especially in, in, a, in an emergency kind of situation, they're having what we might call a mental health crisis. It might actually be a spiritual crisis. Um, they might actually be in the middle of some sort of spiritual awakening or, or we might call it a spiritual emergence process that looks like they're having a mental health crisis. They're maybe looking like they have some manic behavior or some psychotic behavior. But what we've learned in our training, and I know I had a course in this at ITP, which I was super grateful for, is because I had no idea beforehand that some of those symptoms could also be similar to what a, some, a person's spiritual awakening process might look like and when it might turn into a more of a spiritual emergency. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, I've been working very uh, diligently in the field of spiritual emergency uh, since 1983, and I've written two books about it. So it's been something that I've contemplated quite a bit. So, uh, and I tend to not uh, really in, like the, uh, many of the terms and categories that come from psychology that are put into what is sometimes referred to as the Bible, or at least the um, dictionary of categories that we put people in when they're in a mental disturbance. So psychosis is particularly overused, I think, in terms of a category. And oftentimes uh, people are in a distressed state, but if they're out of touch with the reality of the nurse or doctor who's assessing them, in other words, they may be having profound spiritual experiences. I, I talked to a woman this week because I am in private practice. People call me about spiritual emergencies. And she said, one of the things that came 
to me was the highest state of consciousness. I was absolutely blissed out in oneness. But I had other things going on too, and my parents took me to the hospital. And uh, as a result, I was called psychotic because they thought I was out of touch of reality. Right. Well, the question has to be asked, which reality are you out of touch with? <laughs> because it may be being out of touch with the reality of the five senses and very much in touch with the greatest reality that there is of a sense of oneness with, with everything. Because in some ways, and science is telling us this now, in some ways we are all very deeply connected. And some people would say entangled, our energy systems are entangled. So we're all in constant communication with each other. So she was in fact, not at all psychotic because she was out of touch of reality. And the same, you know, if, if we look at what are called hallucinations or delusions, if the person doing the assessment is uh, figures that anything out of touch of a reality with the five senses is an indicator of psychosis, well, what about the powerful visions that some people are having? Right. What about the amazing experiences people are having in a near-death experience where they actually go to the other side and communicate with loved ones or sometimes go to a medium and pay a good amount of money even for that medium to talk to someone or connect with someone who ha is on the other side, as it were, not in body. So those are not hallucinations and delusions. And again, science is showing us that there are brainwave patterns that can be tracked even when someone has flatlined mm -hmm. in, in clinical death. So science is showing the, us that these are not always hallucinations and delusions. Right. And so the idea of, of using psychosis as a category that fits everyone who's having these profound experiences no longer works. So that's not to say that there aren't some people who enter into extreme distress for possibly because of trauma and really need some extra um, TLC and hopefully can find a place where they can get that. Yeah, I love what you're saying here because for, for too long, this idea of visions or, or hearing things or experiencing things that maybe the average person doesn't tune into or experience, um, th that we're calling that a pathological process when it, it isn't necessarily one. And I'm reminded, you know, we had a guest on the show, on the podcast a while back. Well, we had Phil Borges who, who directed the movie Crazy Wise, which is I highly recommend um, for the audience that really gives you a different perspective on this. But also Brittany Quagan, who herself is you know, considers herself a psychic, a medium. She's also a licensed therapist and she's involved in the Yale research study on hearing voices where they're exploring this possibility that, you know, hearing voices may, may be a more normal thing than a pathological thing and the whole hearing voices network that exists internationally. I'm, I'm so encouraged by people who are like yourself, you know, who are, who are coming forward to, to challenge the paradigm and say, maybe what we're calling a problem that needs to be medicated is in fact, not that at all. And it's somebody awakening and stepping into uh, greater awareness, uh, maybe evolution and a spiritual awakening, as we said, 
So thank you for the work that you've been doing and trying to educate people through your books and movies and classes and things. Um, maybe even tell us a little bit about some of what some of those those courses and things are that other mental health professionals could um, participate in to learn more about this. Oh, okay, thank you. So one of the courses actually that that is um, being offered right now, in fact, tonight I'll be on a panel around it, is how to differentiate uh, intense spiritual crisis from pathology. And I, on the panel, or my, myself and one of the other uh, team members on, at IMHU, as well as Leah Harris, who has lived experience in a spiritual emergency and is a journalist and has been writing about this, but she has very strong feelings, especially around um, how do we reduce harm within a hospital or a clinical setting? Because some people are being coerced to take psychiatric medication when they're actually having profound spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. So this is completely inappropriate. And so what we're going for, of course, is harm reduction for everyone no matter what kind of experience they're having. And um, so rather than go off on a tangent about that course, which I'm very excited about, I, I should say that I, I think a unique place that uh, IMHU fits in is offering a course on how to effectively support someone who is in spiritual emergency or who is in a spiritual emergence process. That means growing and evolving spiritually without having a crisis. But oftentimes in spiritual emergence, people can't find others who are going through the same experience. And so they will tend to isolate, tend to wonder if they're crazy and go through a hard time in that way. So this particular course offers people with lived experience a way to understand um, just with their minds what is going on as well as learn techniques for managing the process for themselves. And it, uh, we, we can offer continuing education credit for therapists. And so they can learn about this field that they may not have been able to learn about in their graduate schools. Right, not everyone was fortunate enough to have the kind of you know, education we did at ITP, for which I'm, you know, forever grateful because it did. It opened. I had no idea. I had, I didn't know what a Kundalini awakening was. I didn't know about spiritual emergence and emergency. And now I do also see clients having these experiences and you're right. They tend to feel so isolated in their experience and they do think they're going crazy. So they're afraid to tell anyone oftentimes about their experiences because they think they're going to end up getting 5150 locked up. Um, and so it is so important to have um, forums and places like I, I know you've also worked with ASSIST, you know, the American Center for the Integration of Spiritually Transformative Experiences. And they have a experiencers forum where people can share their stories and experiences with others. And I think that's so important, too, is for people to feel safe, to have safe spaces, including the therapy room, but, you know, other places as well where they can talk about their experiences and not be judged and not be called crazy and threatened with, you know, institutionalization. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy that this is starting, this movement is starting to grow and we're part of trying to get the information out there to our fellow clinicians and other heal, you know, healers and 
mental health professionals so they know that these resources are out there. And we'll put in the show notes, we're going to put links to all the things that Emma and I are talking about if you okay. want to find out more. Yeah. So so I wanted to, to mention that um, there are people who come to IMHU who not only want to take that course, but they want to take a, a, a course that also becomes available for graduates of the course, how to effectively support someone in spiritual emergency. And that second course we call a practicum because mm -hmm. it is not a, a Zoom-oriented online course. Instead, it's a course that happens on location where people learn skills person to person on how to help people who are going through these um, uh, difficult, sometimes very difficult passageways. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that course, people can um, get continuing education credits if they're therapists or psychologists or nurses, or they can become spiritual emergence coaches. Mm -hmm. And people with lived experience who have managed their own spiritual crisis can be absolutely superb at assisting others so that uh, those going through the experience don't feel isolated, feel like they have a, a companion who can offer them uh, just not only compassion, but a sense of, hey, you're going through a process that's really good and there's a lot of good coming out of this. So just hang in there. Yeah. So peer specialists can be especially important. And then those who get the training can bring it if they're clinicians or working nurses, they can bring it into their practice. They've got more tools in their toolbox. And those who become coaches can open up their own practice. And we have uh, a directory with over a hundred of these spiritual emergence coaches who are leading support groups. And the schedule of those support groups is posted online as well. So it'd be good if you put those in the notes, Adriana, so people yeah. they can access sure. them. It's not just Assist who is offering these kinds of support groups. It's also uh, imhu.org through the Spiritual Emergence Coaches and also an organization called Spiritual Awakenings International. Mm -hmm. They also have support groups. Yes. So I agree with you. It is something that's growing and expanding. And I, I want to put in a word of warning because there are, are more Facebook groups that are coming about for people who have had spiritual emergency or who are in a process of spiritual emergence. And the good news is they can find people to communicate with. But the not so good news is that some of them are not trained and may not be giving the best of advice. And so leading people into something that could be um, even more distressing than what's already going on with them. Yes. And and so important for us to, in fact, I just had a woman last week who was uh, looking for one of these groups. So thank you for letting me know about these, these other possibilities. Um, be, and, and the thing about too, um, knowing um, your scope of practice, right? If you're a, a mental health professional who has not had training in this, and, and thankfully now there you can get training, but you if you haven't had training and you have a client who you think is going through some sort of spiritual emergence process that's maybe a little beyond what you feel is in your scope, to know that these resources are there, that you can refer your clients or you can seek out referrals for them with coaches or licensed people or whoever it may be who have gone through these training programs and are much more specialized in how to work with this stuff as it comes up, you know? So I really love that these resources are growing and that you're, you know, a huge part of, of promoting that and getting that out there. So, um, 
Yeah. And then I want to shift gears a little bit and just look at this, you know, again, in this Western paradigm, you know, we're, we're often looking through the lens of pathology and what's wrong with people. Um, and it tends to be the work often is very isolated and it, you're working just with one person in a therapy room or over Zoom. And in other cultures, you know, it's very different. It's more communal and it's more... Um, the perspective on what we're calling mental health or illness is very different. I often on the show have quoted, you know, that wonderful article on what a shaman sees in a mental hospital. And um, because, because the cultural, um, if you looked at mental illness through different cultural lenses, you would find something very different. And so I want to bring in your work in Brazil and have you share a little bit about how are the are the people there in these spiritist hospitals and clinics and things how are they seeing mental illness or or spiritual crisis or psychiatric crisis how do they look at it differently than we do here well first of all i just want to um be very clear there are spiritist psychiatric hospitals 50 of them but that doesn't mean that every psychiatric hospital in Brazil is spiritist, okay? Yes. And there are about 13,000 spiritist community centers, but they are not clinics. Mm. So they are, they think of them more as um, a learning center like Omega or Esalen, okay. where people will go because they want to uh, develop, grow spiritually, and of course, attend to their own issues as in, what is the the real roots of the kind of distress that I've had in my life? I want to go to one of these learning centers so I can learn more. One of the best pieces of news about the Spiritist Centers is that you can go there and you can get energy work and you can get spirit release work and you can go attend to lectures, be part of classes, even be trained as a healer or energy worker, and it's all free. So Esalen, Omega, and other learning centers are quite expensive. And so that means that only people who get a scholarship or only people who are quite um, well-to-do can afford these kinds of things. But in Brazil, since it's free, that means that people from every part of society can go there and can benefit from it. And um, so, so that's a whole different kind of <laughs> way of doing things. But wow. uh, what happens there is the big question. So especially if someone enters into one of these um, spiritist community centers, maybe someone who has been in distress. I know someone who was hearing voices and thought, oh, I'm obviously a lunatic. I'm hearing voices. He was also having a lot of energetic experiences. And the way he um, would report them as saying, it's like something's running up and down my body that I just need to shake off here. It's just irritating. I don't know what's happening with me. Mm -hmm. But again, he thought, well, this is just another sign that I'm a lunatic. But he, his family uh, found a spiritist psychiatric hospital. And on admission, he had the same kind of experience anyone would in a good psychiatric hospital in the United States or Europe, which is that he was assessed by a doctor, so medical doctor who would check out, does this guy have a brain disorder, a physical brain disorder or something else that's causing these? He didn't. Mm -hmm. And then someone checked him out, social worker checked him out for psychosocial distress. Was he in a situation where there was a great deal of, of prejudice or poverty 
or had he a significant amount of trauma? In this guy's situation, his name is Marcelo, and he's given me permission to talk about his story. Um, he didn't have any significant trauma in his life. He happened to be from a well-to-do family. He'd had a good education, and he was not under some of the other stresses that many people in Brazil are under. So next, he was given the opportunity to see a medical intuitive. So this is a kind of medium who can see into people and see the deepest roots of um, who they are in many ways, even past lifetimes, and possibly even noticing if they're having interactions with spirits, either spirits who are of very high intelligence or spirits who may be negatively motivated. So in his case, Marcelo's case, he was um, given access to the, the hospital, but he was basically told, yes, there's some psychological issues here. For instance, you haven't um, reached a place where you have forgiveness for some of the people in your family that haven't been 100% uh, loving all the time. That's an issue for all of us, I would say. <laughs> and then um, on the other hand, uh, they said, be here in the hospital a bit, be with us, and participate in some of the activities. So they didn't say right away, but they already had an eye to the fact that he was a diamond in the rough. In other words, they saw that he had what has been translated into English as repressed sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And what happened is over a short period of weeks and a couple months, he started recognizing that he was actually a, a energy healer. He had tremendous gifts in that regard, as well as being able to channel very high, highly evolved entities that were not in body. So he was a medium as well. But in the way that he'd been brought up, he was uh, that particular side of life, which we can call a transpersonal side of life, beyond ego side of life, was not respected. There was no vocabulary for it. He'd never heard of it. So he had to learn a whole new cognitive framework. But he also needed to be around other people who were mediums and other people who were energy workers in order to realize that he wasn't like the ugly duckling. He was a swan <laughs> and in this case. And, uh, and so he, within a few months, he was out of the hospital getting his training and going back into the hospital to do energy work with some of the patients who had asked for it. Mm -hmm. so it was an extraordinary transformation. And so in essence, the way people are recognized is through a medical intuitive who can see into which people are really have repressed sensitivity and need training so that they can um, become what their gifts are allowing them to, to be, for instance, an energy healer, and which people are, are, are traumatized and need some, psych, some kind of psychotherapy so that they can move through whatever the trauma, the effects of the trauma are. Some of those people may be called psychotic because they are highly traumatized and disturbed for a period of time. So there's um, the differentiation between what is who is going through a spiritual emergency, like Marcelo was, and who is really traumatized and needs a, a psychological work or psychotherapy, is uh, the, the person who's doing the assessment is a medical intuitive who can see the, the subtler points of what's going on with a person.
fascinating. Fascinating because they really are integrated. That's true integrative care, right? They are bringing, yes, like the, the Western approach of assessment and differentiation, you know, with there may in fact be some uh, depression or, or anxiety or some psychological thing that needs to right. be addressed, but then also offering this more holistic, um, culturally sensitive, you know, uh, approach that that is um, spiritually based, energy based, and allows people to heal rather than be medicating symptoms, which, right, is that more Western approach. This is about getting to the root of what is causing this disturbance, this imbalance, and then offering people these other types of tools or education or training, whatever they need to step into what I see as gifts and capacities, not as uh, pathologies and, and problems. Right, exactly. So we don't have that level of differentiation going on in our hospitals and clinics and in most psychotherapy situations. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who go to very well-educated psychiatrists, psychotherapists, et cetera. And these lovely people have just have not had access to the education. And most of them also are not sensitives as um, medical intuitives are. The associates that I have in Brazil, some of them are psychiatrists and mediums mm -hmm. of a high degree. It's uh, so something that, that I don't see very often in the United States, if ever. Oh, no, unfortunately, no. Um, and I, you know, I can just, you know, the audience has heard a little bit about my story. You know, I, I feel that I, too, um, went to, on, to some degree on a, like a shamanic process where um, like I went on the healing journey, right? I had a healing crisis. I, for me, it showed up more as physical illness. I, I ended up having Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, but it showed up in this very physical way. But it also included depression and a dark night of the soul experience. And my quest for healing is what put me on this alternative therapy, kind of more integrative medicine uh, approach because, you know, antibiotics weren't going to do it. They, there was nothing that really could do for me at that point, as many years in as I was. And I too had sensitivities. Part of, I think what caused my body to break down was I was constantly taking on the pain and suffering of others that didn't have tools. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, so I feel like I'm like Marcelo, you know, I easily could have ended up in a psych hospital or in the completely physically debilitated had I not found uh, practitioners and ended up at ITP at that time and, um, and, and found methods and modalities that allowed me to step into my powers, my healing powers, and to learn how to navigate my sensitivities because I still am very aware of other people's stuff. And if I don't use tools, real practical tools to take care and manage my own energy, um, I will fall ill again. So it's so important. Thank you for mentioning more of your story. I, I didn't have uh, quite the kind of disruption that you're talking about, but as an empath um, like yourself, I also grew up in a, uh, feeling quite confused, like, wait a minute, I'm feeling other people's feelings. What's my feeling and what's their feeling? I'm absorbing energies from where I am. And what do I do with that? So I was fortunate in that I had really five, you know, tremendous teachers. But um, at this point, um, 
I'm, I'm trying to offer the education through IMHU. So we have, for instance, a course on grounding for empaths, mm. in which a, a woman who is head of the um, energy, what is it called? Hmm. Energy, Therapy, uh, energy Healing Institute of Portland mm-hmm. um, it gives a one and a half hour talk on, on actually how to modulate your own chakras so that you aren't too open all the time, and also how to ground yourself. And uh, it's a fantastic course for people, especially who are struggling with what do I do with being an empath? Yeah. I also, there's another course in which I talked to a, an integrative psychiatrist, Pam Shervonic. Both of us are empaths, and we talk about some of the keys to success as being an empath and how you reach that place where you can really um, have more control of your empathy so that you don't get lost in other people's feelings or the atmosphere of an environment and instead can really uh, uh, decide what it is that your goal is and to move forward in that, which can be difficult when your energy is flooding out to other people and places. Yeah. So oh, go ahead. There, there is a lot that we offer in terms of classes to help people feel like wait a minute here. I've, yes, I did have this experience with interdimensional beings. Does that mean I'm crazy? Well, if you go to a course that we offer on conversations with interdimensional beings, you'll be able to listen to psychiatrists who talk about uh, many people having these experiences and they actually lead into uh, an enhanced way of being in the world when they're supported in an appropriate way. So we're we're all about uh, people, especially sensitives and empaths and people who are having spiritual emergence experiences, finding the support they need through in a learning community and also finding the kind of educational resources they need to be able to move their mind into a place where some of these experiences are acceptable, even though we live in a culture that oftentimes denies that these phenomena are acceptable or considers that they're just part of crazy land. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the piece about interdimensional beings or this, or um, after this communication with loved ones who have passed or people who have passed, you know, that was part of my experience too. I was not only empathically picking up on the energies and thoughts and emotions of people and bodies. I was also picking up on people that were hanging other kinds of beings that were hanging around, including, uh, a relative who had passed away, who was still around me, and very much his his energy was impacting mine. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I had a sense of it, but I didn't realize the degree to which it was impacting me. And I certainly didn't have tools for how to deal with that. So, um, and you know, when you when you read those polls about, um, you know, we had National Paranormal Day last month, and I and I went on Facebook Live and talked about it, and. If, if you poll like the average, even Americans, more than 50%, I can't remember the exact number, but far more than 50% of people actually do believe that there is something after death and that there are other beings out in the universe besides who's on planet Earth. And so I think there's more receptivity in our culture now than there used to be toward these things. And there's a curiosity. I mean, the travel channel has essentially turned into the paranormal channel. Every other uh, episode of something on there is about ghosts and haunted houses and different things. So, <laughs> so to have 
um, reliable, scientifically based. There is a huge body of research that is examining all of this. There are thousands and thousands of case studies of people who've had near-death experiences, uh, out-of-body experiences, after-death communication. The, people think it's so woo-woo and out there, and yet there's a huge body of science and research that actually supports and validates it. Right. And more is coming out all the time. So okay. I, I just had the opportunity about 10 days ago to listen to Marjorie Willicott, who is a neuroscientist from the University of California, who is looking at writing a textbook on consciousness that can be um, given over to medical school students as they're preparing to be doctors. So they've, there hasn't been access to this kind of information for people in training. And it's coming about very quickly now because the science is there. So it's not just, as you said, Adriana, it's not just woo-woo stuff. It's not, no, people still think it is, but it's not. And so that's why I'm out here doing this podcast and you are too, through your through your books, through your um, programs and classes. And, and you've even done a documentary. Like there's so many avenues for people to learn. Um, yeah. If people, where where would you suggest people start? If they want to find out more about you, about your programs, your resources, where can they go? Well, I, I mentioned the website, imhu.org. First mm -hmm. four letters of I'm human, imhu.org. And if you go there, there, you can choose, you know, are you in a position that you really want support like right now? Then go to that tab marked needing support. <laughs> if you're a practitioner and you're looking for continued education credits, you want to learn more about spiritual emergency or become a spiritual emergence coach, then there's a tab for four practitioners. And if you're in a situation where you aren't necessarily in extremis and needing support like right now, but you want to learn more, go to learn more. That's the tab, and it will direct you into those areas you might be interested in. And one of the areas that's very popular that we're developing right now is around psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And the, there's fabulous science backing up the fact that people can move through the um, what they have of symptoms from trauma through working with really qualified people who can sit with them while they're taking uh, a psychedelic. I'm only talking about this in a legal context right now. I'm not right. suggesting people go in an illegal path, mm -hmm. but if they're going to um, move towards the healing available through some of these, want these um, the proper use of psychedelics, to to learn about it and to learn about how it needs to be done. Uh, we're we're running a course right now on integration of psychedelic and plant medicine experiences with a psychotherapist from the San Francisco area, and it, it recommends three preparation sessions before you even have uh, an experience uh, with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. So, just learning the ropes of of um, what it is that's needed to prepare for these big experiences is important, and meeting yeah. some of the people who are leaders in the field and acknowledging what some of the um, these medicines can do is really important before taking a step in that direction of, of experiencing it. Yes, set and setting, we've talked about it on, we've done a couple episodes actually on the psychedelic assisted therapies and uh -huh. cautioned how important it is to do this with a trained professional 
um, to do the integration work because especially with ketamine, there are a lot of doctors and clinics that are treating it more like a medical procedure. Um, my friend had an experience where she was basically just left alone in a room with an IV and yeah, there was a nurse or a doctor that came and checked on her, but there was no prep work leading up to it. Um, she ended up having a traumatic experience during it. And, and I ended up as her friend being, you know, trying to help her integrate the experience, but there was no after processing, you know, it was just very science, uh, medical, right? Like a treatment. Um, and I, I didn't find that to be very therapeutic and neither did she. In fact, it was more traumatic. And, yeah. um, and a lady come to me last week and say that, you know, in some of the integration groups, she just hears story after story of the traumatic experiences people have had because they didn't do it in this very um, structured, uh, supportive with the trained personnel and, and all of that as part of the experience. So it has tremendous promise, but it also comes with risks and people need to know about those. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And you also have your own website, right? Let's share that. So, um, yeah, I mentioned imhu.org for the organization. And my own website is emmabragdon.com. So Emma is spelled with two M's, E-M-M-A, and then Bragdon, B-R-A-G-D-O-N. But you said that we would write that down in the notes, right? Yes, we will. Uh-huh. It'll be in the written show notes. But if anyone wants to hear it and, and just go right now and, and they're listening somewhere and they can just click on now they can they can do that so Thanks. yes so we will definitely have the links in the show notes any final thoughts for us um sometimes i'll ask you know my guests like what would you like to see is the future of mental health where would you like to to see us go or or any final thoughts of any kind that you'd like to leave us with well one thought i had is if people are interested in the books or films that i've done they can find it at imhu.org just to let people know that but in terms of the um, mental health of the future, I would love to see that what is down in Brazil with spiritism is imported into the United States so that we have community centers where people can go and get the support for their own spiritual evolution with um, people, some of whom may be doctors who are offering their their help in these centers. But um, basically it's, it's a, a community that is completely dedicated to spiritual evolution, to helping each other. They consider it's it's the most important part of the community centers, but there's a tremendous amount offered, as I, as I talked about, including training to be an energy worker um, or healer or channeler. So I'd love to see those community centers coming. And I think that the community centers would absorb a lot, very effectively absorb some of the work that's now being done in um, emergency rooms and hospitals that don't don't really belong there. But I would also like to see us using the model of the spiritist psychiatric hospitals for people who really do need to be in a hospital setting for a period of time. And so that they can have assessment by a medical intuitive, have energy healing as part of what is offered there. And also, I didn't talk about it much in, in this particular interview, but spirit release is part of what is offered in the spiritist psychiatric hospitals as well as the community centers. So that's what I'd like to see in the future. I'm with you. And that can be profound work. I actually have had some training in that myself, and it has provided tremendous 
relief and freedom for many of my clients who have struggled with that. But yes, it's, you're right. It's the topic for a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much, Emma, for being with us here today. I'm super grateful. You really shared your wisdom and experience. Um, in such an inspiring way. And um, for those of you who in the audience, thank you also for tuning in. If you've liked this episode, please do share it, um, comment if you're able, rate the podcast. All of these things help us to get this information out there in the world so more people who might be suffering or struggling can know that there are um, other methods, other ways of approaching whatever their upset or disturbance is that might be more holistic, that might actually um, help them in a way that the traditional paradigm hasn't. So thanks everyone. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.